Hello, welcome back to the Chris Ye podcast. This is Chris Ye, and we have another in our line of special interviews with my HBS classmates. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Lindsay. Say hello, Lindsay. Hi, everybody. And today we have, as our special guest, one of our classmates, Gotti Slade. And what's really special about Gotti, in addition to everything else, is that Gotti and I actually know each other from our days at Stanford as well. So it's a special treat to have him on. Gotti, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, before I say something about myself, I just, I just want to say some words about you. Uh, Chris is a, is a lovely guy, very humble guy. Uh, it is true that we studied at Stanford, but what he didn't mention is that he was my TA at Stanford, even though he's a year or two younger. An absolutely brilliant guy. And uh, uh, thank you, Chris, for, for, for having me on the show, on, on the podcast. So, so my, my life after HBS, um, I'd say overall has been pretty wonderful. I, um, I had the unique pleasure after business school, my, my, the company that hired me, the capital group, they, they gave me the option to take seven months off to travel before, uh, before starting work. So between graduation and January of 2001, uh, all I had was clothes I could fit in my backpack and I was the, I was the happiest clam alive. And I went to the Himalayas, Southeast Asia, including for the Sydney Olympics, New Zealand, Argentina, and Chile. And after that, I started with the Capital Group. I've been there now for uh, almost 20 years. It's, uh, wow, it's been quite a while. And I started in our London office, was there for three years, moved to New York for six, back to London for four, and my family and I have been in New York since 2014. And the Capital Group, uh, for those who don't know the company, it's a, big, uh, it's a big manager of mutual funds based in the US. Uh, we're the fourth biggest family of, of mutual funds, the fourth biggest money manager in the world. And I started as an analyst covering telecom in media and real estate across uh, pretty globally with the exception of the US and in Asia. And about a year ago, I transitioned to another role and now a vehicle portfolio manager where I have more of a generalist role and I do a lot of business development and marketing. And uh, it's, been, it's been remarkable from a career perspective. It's been remarkably stable and lovely. It's a, it's a terrific company I've really enjoyed working there and it's a company that that gives me the autonomy to to do um, uh, to plan my day to plan my week to plan my year and to travel when necessary and on the on the home front things have been wonderful I've been married to Deborah for 16 and a half years we met when I was in London she is British we have three children Amalia and Ella twin girls who are 12 my son, Leo, who is 10, and my, my children are an absolute joy, and, and we've had great health, and uh, we've lived a very blessed life. Fantastic. And I think you, uh, when we, before we began the broadcast, you actually told us a little bit about how you were dealing with the coronavirus. We're recording this here in April during the coronavirus pandemic, and you, I believe, have lived in New York for some time. So talk about how you've managed and uh, adjusted your life to the coronavirus. 
Yeah. So, so first we have, uh, we, uh, we left Manhattan a month ago. We're very fortunate to have a weekend home in Westport, Connecticut. So, uh, so the family's here and here we have space, we have a backyard, we have a trampoline, basketball, a hot tub, and uh, we're, we're, we're very well set up, especially if we have to be here for a long time. Um, I think the, the, this period is, is an incredibly difficult period for all of us. It's scary being here. We're scared for our health. We're scared for our loved ones. We're scared for our jobs. We're scared for our investments and our, our 401ks. We're, we're scared for what the world is going to look like when we come out on the other side. And, and I, I, uh, what I can't do, I can't impact the, what the virus will do and how many people it will kill. I can't impact what the economy is going to do and what the politicians and companies will do and how many people they'll fire. Uh, what I can impact is, is how I think about it and how I, how I react to, to the situation and what I do with my family and, and how I help those around me. And one of the things that I do, and, and I've been doing this for years, uh, way before the situation, everything and in, in every evening before I go to bed, I think about three or four things that I'm grateful for. And in the morning, I just think about it. In the evening, I write it down. I have a gratitude journal. And um, uh, it, it, it really helps ground me and it could be a little thing like I'm grateful for having that delicious ice cream cone with my son. And it could be, and I'm really grateful to have, to have had an interesting career and, 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 to, and, and to be able to have a second home and, and to be able to be out in Westport right now and not in Manhattan. And um, by being grateful, it also helps put the little things that annoy us in perspective. Um, also during this period, uh, I'm making exercise. If you don't exercise, you need to move. Exercise makes you happy. And in order to get through this virus, it's a combination of reducing your exposure to pathogens and to strengthening your immune system. And uh, one of the ways to strengthen your immune system is to exercise and to be grateful and to be happy. And uh, so a lot of the things I have to do for work, if it's uh, conference calls, I don't need to be in front of my laptop. I go outside and I go for a walk. And uh, I'm outside many hours a day, um, either exercising or just walking or playing with my kids. And it's, it's really important. Um, we also try to be happy and we try to do fun things. And it's okay to be human. It's okay um, to try to have a laugh and to try to play a fun game. We just, we just bought a karaoke machine which uh, uh, will probably hurt your ears if you heard us sing, but um, it's, uh, it's a lot of and, uh, and, and anything to do to try and keep things sane for, for our kids. And uh, from a financial perspective, I've tried to reduce risk. I'm not trying, even though I'm a professional investor here to try to time the market and make money. I've just I moved everything to cash and uh, I have enough stress in my life and in my career, and I don't need additional stress right now worrying that my 401k and my other savings are going to be up and down 5 to 10% per day. It's just, it's just not worth it. So, um, so those, are, those are the things that I'm doing. And then on a personal level, and uh, I'm trying, I'm taking a happiness course online uh, by Professor Tal Ben Shachal, who's, uh, who's, who's, who's an incredible uh, professor and a, and a personal friend. And uh, reading books and, and catching up with a lot of friends on Zoom, 
and uh, I'm, I'm very active. I mean, I'm busy, much busier in quarantine than I, than I was living in, in normal life. Now, you know, having brought up the karaoke machine, that we were going to ask this question. What is your specialty? What is your go-to song if you really want to impress people? <laughs> wow. Uh, it's not about impressing people. It's about scaring them off the least. And uh, 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 um, Frank Sinatra, My Way, with, uh, with a little bit of alcohol, don't scare away too many people. Very nice. The chairman of the boards. Well, I love the image of you and the family out in Westport, Connecticut, uh, enjoying the quarantined life. Again, as you pointed out, uh, it's, there's so much we can't control. What we can do is just control our reactions, try to be grateful for the incredible things that we have. And uh, I knew that you would be finding a great way to manage this. Thank you. So, one of the things we do on these podcasts is we actually go through and we ask everyone the same set of questions. We may ask other questions as well, but we want to establish the baseline of a set of questions that helps people get to know you. So Lindsay and I are going to alternate and I'll ask the first question. And the question is, what's a moment that you really remember vividly from our time at Harvard Business School? Yeah, so First, there were so many incredible memories, but if I, if I had to pick one, uh, I would say it was a day or two before graduation, our, our, our section mates got back together in our classroom and we all had our little name tags in front of us. And uh, I think it was Aldrich 109, if I remember the, the, the classroom. No, correctly. Aldrich 9, Aldrich 9. Sorry, 9, 9. I knew I was going to get it wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay. Um, we were in the same section. And, um, and, and in, in the first year, I didn't really appreciate my section mates as much because we didn't know one another that well. In the first year, you're still trying, especially the first semester, you're still, still trying to show people that that you're good and you're smart and, and you're somewhat competing with them for grades. And by the end of the second year, everyone's relaxed and they have their jobs and, and everyone's comfortable with themselves. And I remember sitting in that room uh, and just looking around and thinking what an incredible group of people in my section and, uh, and, and in our class in general and, and how fortunate uh, have I been to, uh, to have been able to spend two years with this incredible group of people to, 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 to get to know them, to learn from them, to party with them, to become friends with them. And, um, uh, and, and especially, and, 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 and I think the older that I get, uh, the more I appreciate the friendships that I had when I was younger. And, uh, and, and, and I'm incredibly appreciative for the friendships and, and for the amazing group of people that I got to meet at HBS. That's great. I, I remember that day well. Um, okay, so here's the lighter question. What is the first concert that you attended? So I'm not counting uh, classical concerts that my parents took <laughs> me to go when I was five years old. Um, but uh, the first concert I remember was in 1982, Simon and Cohen's and uh, I was living in Manhattan at the time, and, and what a, I, I didn't really know their music that well. Um, I was still young, and I remember just all the people walking in the street and just the incredible buzz and, 
incredible feeling of togetherness by New Yorkers during during that period. Yeah, wow. It's a great live album. Uh, I've, I've yeah. listened to it many times. Me too. Wow, well, that's a great one. And you were there in person. You, did your parents take you? Like, did you say to them, I want to go see Simon and Garfunkel? Or, or was this no. like your parents taking you to the classic music concerts? They dragged me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in this case, you were grateful. Uh, and I understand having been dragged to many a classical music concert as a child as well. Uh, so the next question we have for you is to tell us about a particular pivotal moment that's happened in the last 20 years. And it could be whatever positive, negative, just something that really marked a key milestone in your life. Yeah. So, so, so certainly um, meeting my wife and marrying has, has, has been an incredible uh, uh, time and, and for the 16 years, I think in terms of pivotal, the, the moment that changed me more than anything, um, the, I would say were the two moments that first my twin daughters and then, and then, uh, then my, my son were born and I'll never forget being in the room and the feeling of hearing their cries for the first time and then seeing their faces for the first time. It's such a, such a powerful emo and, and unforgettable emotion. And, and that really changes your life. Until that point, you live for yourself or you live for yourself and your, and your, and your partner. Um, and and, 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 and um, I, I, I just never thought that I could love another person so much as I love my kids and how you're just willing to do anything uh, for them. So that, that really changed me. Yeah, that was mine too, Gotti. I have a question. Are your twin girls identical or fraternal? No. Uh, they're identical? They are, uh, uh, so so uh, they're fraternal. They're both, they're, fraternal. they're both beautiful. They're both very charming, and they're both very different, which is great. <laughs> my husband and my dad uh, my hus were, are, were both identical twins, so I'm totally wow. fascinated by twins. But we don't have them, so. Um, okay, so here's another one. What has been the biggest surprise of life post-HBS for you, or of the last 20 years? Either way, same thing. So I, 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 I would say, and, 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 and it's a great question, and, and, and when you send me the, the questions a little bit in advance, I thought about it. I'd say the biggest surprise is how relatively easy and drama-free it has been. Uh, when I think about my my time before HBS, um, there were lots of life changes. My parents got divorced. I moved countries. I went to schools in different cities a bunch of times. And and uh, when you're younger, you 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 have a bunch of relationships. Uh, some of them end and 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 with a lot of uh, fireworks. And. Um, <laughs> And in the last 20 years, have, have just been remarkably fun and stable. I haven't had any, uh, haven't had any health issues, haven't had any career concerns, um, haven't had relationship concern. I mean, it's it's just been it's just been a very, very wonderful family life, career life, um, and uh, just just been very blessed. And um, and and it, it's not normal in life. If I look at my parents' lives um, and they were, their lives were interrupted because of 
of divorces because of getting firing from getting fired from a job that they were if they were living in Israel at the time because of a war, uh, because of family members getting killed in a war, dying, and other things that disrupted their lives. And and it's been been at least until this last month, uh, it's just been remarkably um, stable and drama free. That's great. Well, that's something that we should certainly want to wish for all of our classmates and pretty much everyone else as well. And I think that, you know, we heard the gratitude in your voice and we're very happy for you. Now, this one is another one of our lighter questions. We throw these in to change things up. <laughs> what superpower do you wish that you had? So I wish I could sing. I love karaoke, but I really suck at it. Um, but, um, but more seriously, uh, I, I would love the ability to be, to always be able to make the people around me smile and be happy. Life is so much better when everyone around you is, is smiling. And if I could, if I could, if I could, if I could bring others up around me, that would, I, 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 I couldn't ask for anything else. Well, I think you already have some of that power, but perhaps you, yeah. you want to dial it up to 10 or 11 instead of the eight <laughs> or nine that you're currently at. I would say, I don't know. I think you're, that's a pretty good one. Um, that's great. Um, so, Gadi, what's your favorite book or books? So, the, um, uh, the best book and the most meaningful book that I read is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And uh, I, I, I live religiously by by a lot of his ideas and when I spoke earlier about um, focusing on the things you can you can control and not on the things that you can't control focusing on your attitude uh, uh, sort of what he calls the principal center of leadership and putting first things first and goals um, that's 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 what I do in life and that's that's how I always think about things and uh, this book I've, I've read it probably five or six times. The first time I read it when I was in my early 20s. And, um, and it, had a, it had a profound influence on me then. Uh, but what was interesting as I, as I read the book in subsequent times is my conclusions were different mm. from it. And, and that's great because you, you, change as a per, you change as a person. Your, your core doesn't change, but your circumstances change from being a college student to being uh, uh, to working to being in business school to being early career to being married to having kids to etc. And um, uh, and and each time I read it, I, I find I, I, I gain great insights and, and, and I and I continue to strive to be a better person and a better a better husband, a better father, uh, a better son to my parents, a better sibling, a better uncle, and and a better. Um, uh, employee for for my company. Do you? I have never read that book, um, which I'm ashamed to admit. Do you read um, in your personal life mostly nonfiction? Yeah, mostly nonfiction. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I I haven't found that many. Um, my, my problem is is I read so much at work. And yeah. I'm so engaged at work. And oftentimes I get home in the evening, the last thing I want to do is to read more. And mm -hmm. on the weekends, um, I mean, now my kids are a little bit older and a little bit more independent. But uh, until recently, the entire weekend was spent with the kids. 
yeah. and another family commitment. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading more. Got it. Got it. Well, it's uh, great that we're talking about books because the next question is actually drawn from a great book. Oh, who wrote it? Oh, wait, it was my book, The Alliance, uh, available it. at <laughs> Amazon.com and other fine bookstores everywhere. But the question is, name three people that you admire, because I feel like if you want to understand what a person is like, the people they admire really gives you insight into their character. Yeah, so um, so the three people, I'll go into details in a second. My father, Royal Reichman, Itzhak Rabin, and Winston Churchill. So Winston Churchill, um, the more I read about him, he was such an inspiring speaker, inspiring leader. And and he, if, 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 if there was one individual in history that we owe our freedom to more than anyone else, he's pretty close, if not at the top of that short list. And, uh, and the way that he led Britain through its, its most difficult time and, and, and the free world through its most difficult time. I mean, I, uh, if, if he would not have stopped the Germans, uh, I certainly wouldn't be here today. My, all of my ancestors uh, would never have made it, would never have survived. And um, uh, I mean, he, he just, just the way that he did it, um, and, uh, and 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 we owe him so much. The second, Itak Rabin, um, a former Israeli prime minister, he 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 was a young boy when the state of Israel uh, was launched and when it fought for for its um, for its existence and its war of independence. And as a young boy, he he volunteered for the the most dangerous army unit and he volunteered for the most dangerous missions and uh that that's hard to do when you're 17 years old just to get up and say yeah i'm gonna risk my life for the cause and he was um he was an incredible military leader and helped protect the country lead the country through a bunch of wars that were successful and then he pivoted to to being a, a diplomat and to um uh turning the other side um, to, to Israel's arch enemies and trying to make peace and to lend, lend, a hand, lend a hand in peace and to lead his country through that. And, and I just admire his, his forgiveness, um, his uh, resilience through everything that he went through and, um, uh, and his ability to lead and to inspire and, uh, and all with very positive values. And the, and the third person, my, my father, uh, Uriel Reichman, um, he, um, uh, he's one of the greatest entrepreneurs that I know. He, he founded uh, a, a private university in Israel called the IDC Herzliya, which in the, in the Israeli version of U.S. News and World Report is now the number one university in Israel. It was launched 25 years ago. And, and launching a university is one of the hardest startups you can possibly do because if a normal, a, a normal startup, you can just start in your garage. Here you need acres and acres and acres from day one. Um, with a startup, your employees are some 20-year-old some 20 and 30-year-olds um, who, who, if it doesn't work, they could find another job. Here you have to persuade tenured professors to leave their, 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 their tenures positions and their pensions 
to go work for you and, and getting students to come study your university when you don't even know, they don't even know if you're gonna be around three years from now for them or four years from now for them to collect their degree is, is an incredibly challenging thing to do. And he did it uh, and everyone said he would never succeed. Uh, and he did it, he just, he just doesn't take no for an answer. And, and he did everything with kindness, with humaneness. While, while, while caring for other students and putting the, the student at the heart of the experience and caring for them and not just running it as a, as a financial institution or as a, as a place to make money or as a place where, uh, around professors and the research, it's all about the students. And I very much, my, my mother has been very sick for many years and, uh, and I just admire the way that he, that he takes care of her uh, and shows her an enormous amount of love and concern. And, and, uh, and he's a busy guy, he runs a big institution. And he always finds time to, to take care of my other, but to, to take care of my mother. Uh, he always finds time to talk to me when I have, when I have issues to give me great advice. Uh, and he always finds time to be there for his other grandkids and his, and his two other daughters and his other family members and friends. That's great. Sounds like a remarkable man and a remarkable role model for you. <laughs> I am, Speaking of I'm, fathers and and um, Churchill, have you read the William Manchester books about Churchill? I'm assuming you have. I, I've not, no. They, oh, man. You must immediately. So my father was a voracious reader and a massive Churchill fan. And his number one most favorite book that he pressed into the hands of like hundreds of people over the course of my life was a book called The Last Lion, um, which is apparently like the best biography written of all time. So anyway, I highly recommend it if you have a little downtime in the next few weeks. Thank you, Lindsay. I will get it. Yeah. Yeah. Last Lion. Terrific. Yeah, The Last Lion. Um, okay. So the last question, this is one of my favorite questions. Where in the world where is a place in the world where, you know, and again, this feels poignant. We came up with these questions before coronavirus had totally decimated the world. It feels like a poignant question now to me. I don't know, Chris, if you've had that feeling. Absolutely. Um, but um, in the world, where, Gadi, and I think of you as somebody who's traveled widely, but where is somewhere that you haven't been that you'd really love to go? Yeah. So, so I've been, um, I've been blessed to travel. I've been to uh, over 70 countries and uh, between work, uh, work and travel. And uh, I, um, uh, my, 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 when I was an analyst, I, I covered, I covered companies in 50 countries. So I visited all of them or almost all of them at least once uh, for business. And I also uh, was very fortunate to be able to get a sabbatical from work to go and we pulled the kids out of school for four months and we, and we traveled around the world with them. And, and we also went to South, the Himalaya, Southeast Asia and Australia and New Zealand. Um, so, so if you would have asked me this question three months or four months ago, uh, my answer would have been Saudi Arabia. And oh, I'm not just saying Saudi Arabia because um, I've been to so many other countries, but Saudi Arabia was always this magical mystical place for me. It was this forbidden kingdom where, because I was born in Israel and served in the Israeli military, it was a place that I could never visit. And I remember looking out from the southern tip of Israel from a lot across the Red Sea and seeing the, the mountains and the deserts of Saudi Arabia 
uh, and thinking that that's a place I would never be allowed to go. And Saudi Arabia, it certainly has flaws and certainly the, um, uh, the, um, the leadership there uh, has flaws as well. But, but it's, a, it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating country with a fascinating history, uh, a fascinating culture with Mecca and Medina. It's, it's, it's the center of the Islamic world. It's, it's uh, the second biggest, oil produce, second biggest oil producer in the world with incredible riches. Uh, and, and it just has this, this incredible history. And I was, um, uh, I had the pleasure of uh, being able to join a business trip with nine other portfolio managers and analysts from my company in November. And, uh, I, I, I personally didn't believe they were going to give me a visa, uh, given where I was Wow, born. so you got to go. I, I got to go. And, uh, and, and, it, and, and this, was, this was a high-level business trip. We met two ministers from the government. We met the head of the central bank. We met a whole bunch of really important people uh, in various institutions in the country. I spent three days there and then is in Dubai. And, uh, and, and this was, without a doubt, the most fascinating business trip um, and maybe, maybe trip in general that, that I've ever done. Uh, in terms of places that... Um, that I haven't, that today I haven't been, that I want to go to. Uh, this is probably not an answer you've heard on this podcast, but the place where I would really love to go is Afghanistan. And, uh, uh, and people probably say, huh? And, uh, and the reason, the reason I say Afghanistan is I love the mountains. I love high altitude. Uh, I've done three, um, uh, very long treks in the Himalayas. Uh, that that that's just great for my soul. Uh, being up there, high altitude, it's hard to breathe. Uh, it's such a humbling and meditative experience being there. And the the high mountains, the high altitude mountains of Afghanistan, are among the most beautiful in the world. I've only seen pictures. I've of course never been. And the other thing that I love about Afghanistan are the people. And, and, and I've, met, I've met a few Afghanis, um, especially those, and especially referring to those that live in the mountains. Uh, and once again, putting aside politics, um, these, I really respect these people. These are tough guys and tough gals. Mm -hmm. They live in the most harsh environments, uh, very windy, very cold, very isolated, not a lot of food, not a lot of variety for food. They have to, they have to grow everything. They have to hunt with falcons for whatever scraps they can get. And, uh, and they survive. And, and they're very resilient. And, um, uh, and, and that inspires me. People who are resilient go through um, a really tough life but could still have a smile on their face and can still, can still be happy. Great. Of Fantastic. the 70 places, Scotty, of the 70 countries you've been to, what's your favorite? Uh, my number, and I've been to a lot of wonderful places. If I had to pick just one, I would say the Nepal, yeah. uh, the, the, the Nepal Himalaya. Wow. Um, these treks, so I've done, um, uh, I've been to Everest Base Camp three times, twice yeah. on the Nepali side, once on the Tibetan side. That's, I'm not counting that because that's not Nepal. And, mm -hmm. uh, I, and, I, and I did two years ago the, honor, the, the 11 day on a Purnace circuit. And wow. the, 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 the landscapes there 
um, are and to a lot of places on our beautiful earth. I mean, there's nothing like it. And, uh, and also the people that you meet in the villages, the people that you meet on the treks. And, and one, of the, one of the great things about, about the treks that I love is the conversations that you have, the random conversations that you have with people that you meet on the trail. And for six to eight hours, so you have a lot of time to talk. And and I'm a I'm, I'm a sociable guy, so I just I just mm-hmm. go up to people and say, hey, where are you guys from? And tell me your story. And one of the one of the beautiful things about these treks in the Himalayas is that it's a it's is, is that it's a great equalizer. It doesn't matter if you're 25 years old or if you're 70, and it doesn't matter if you're a poor student or a billionaire, and it doesn't matter if you're a janitor or the CEO. And it doesn't matter if you're from this country or that country. Everyone is 100% equal on the mountain. And everyone is having the same struggle to get from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain. And, and, and when you get rid of all the other stuff, people really open up. And especially just, just being in the, in the beautiful environment and beautiful setting, it just, it's just so inspiring and makes you think about the meaning of life. And, uh, and those are among the best conversations I've ever had. Wow, that's inspiring. <laughs> I tell you, this has been quite remarkable. We're ranging from the Himalayas to Afghanistan to Frank Sinatra. Uh, it's quite a, quite a panoply. <laughs> yes, the Renaissance man. Well, Gotti, thank you so much for making the time in your busy schedule. I know you mentioned you're even busier now than before the quarantine. But thank you so much for making time in your busy schedule to chat with Lindsay and I. Lindsay, do you have any final thoughts or questions before we sign off? No, I'm just excited for the Section G Zoom this weekend, Gotti. Thank you for organizing those. Great. I'm glad you're joining. And, uh, and thank you, guys. And, and, and I mean, we're all busy, but I always make time for my friends. Well. Thank you. That is much appreciated. And by the way, if you happen to be listening and you are one of our classmates, don't forget that we are happy to have you on as well. And you can join the conversation and share a little bit about your life with all the folks that sadly you won't be seeing at reunion this year. So definitely <laughs> let us know, myself, Lindsay, whomever, and we will love, be delighted to have you on. Thank you guys for doing this. This is great. Thanks, Chris. My pleasure. Thank you both. And we'll be talking again soon.